For 30 podcasts done over more than six years, I picked five stock samplers right here for you for free. And every year thereafter, the first year after the picks were made, and then the second year, and then the third, three years after the picks were made, we we reviewed them, checked their numbers. I had some of the Motley Fool's best analysts on to review their stories. Review. We got to calling these Review-a-Paloozas. And yes, Review-a-Paloozas used to be among my favorite of Rule Breaker investing podcasts. Hasn't been very fun to review the performance of any stocks, really. This year, any stocks at all. I don't enjoy spending time during the week with you going over poor performance, sifting through losers, sharing losing numbers. But that is what 2022 has been all about. And as I've said a few times before in this podcast, if you enjoy slow motion train wrecks, if you're the type who goosenecks interstate accident cleanups as you drive by slowing up traffic for the rest of us, if Schadenfreude is your middle name, even in Germany, is that anyone's middle name? Probably not. Well, then this week's podcast is for you. One thing we always enjoy doing is talking stocks and having some of the Motley Fool's best analysts on to discuss them. 15 stocks are in play this week, and while the vast majority are market losers, most of these remain compelling businesses, to me anyway. And so I'm thinking you might be rewarded going forward for joining in this week only on Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. It's a big month for stocks, not necessarily for the stock market itself, but at least for this podcast. Anytime we spend time going through 15 or so different stocks, you know we're stock-centric. Next week, we will remain stock-centric. It's the Market Cap Game Show. I'll be having back our two most recent champions going head-to-head, calling out the market caps with you, our dear listeners, you getting to play along at home, our four-times-a-year tradition, the Market Cap Game Show. So stocks are in the air, and it's not that fun to talk about the stock market right now, but I think it might be fun years from now to listen back to this week's podcast or next week's podcast and remember the prices that some of us were getting to buy stocks at when the whole market was on sale. Well, on this Review of Palooza episode, we have once again three five-stock samplers, and let me name them right now. Going backward from here, one year ago, it was five stocks pursued by a bear. Uh, little did I know how that name might come back to bite me. Those stocks have done very poorly, but the good news, I guess, is that these games are played for three years. These five-stock samplers, the vast majority are three-year games, so as hard as it's going to be to look at the numbers from one year ago, my final five-stock sampler, we're not even quite a third of the way through that ball game. Two years ago, I picked five stocks for America. I had America in mind at the time, in particular because our nation was hurting so badly right in the face of COVID. I thought about what were our core values. I tagged a stock to each. We'll see how those are doing. And then we do have one five-stock sampler, five stocks that passed the snap test, picked three years ago this month, that we will be sending forever to Fulhalla. So technically, that sampler ended on June 5th of this year. So we'll be reviewing the numbers from June 5th for that final five-stock sampler. It's quite remarkable to me to see that just in between June 5th and where I'm speaking to you today, the S&P 500 has dropped almost another 10%. So we are talking about an extremely weak market. So Spoiler alert, ahead of Asit Sharma, our first analyst, joining me to talk about five stocks pursued by a bear. By the way, we will then have Nick Seipel joining me for five stocks for America and Alicia Alfieri later in the episode, five stocks that pass the snap test. So Asit, Nick, and Alicia joining in this week. That's going to be fun. But let me give the spoiler up front. All three of these samplers are losing or have lost to the market. So no surprise there. It's been so disappointing to watch green numbers and sometimes wildly positive, bolded green numbers turn 
to red, initially kind of pink, disappointing, flattish pink numbers, and then more to red numbers, bolded red numbers in some cases. So spoiler alert for a second consecutive review of Palooza episode we had another some weeks ago. It's not going to be pretty. But I do want to say two things on the other side of the ledger. The first is, this is about the worst time in the market cycle that I think we could be talking about stocks and reviewing past five stock samplers and sending one indeed to Fulhalla, our review of Palooza tradition, when we send the oldest still active five stock sampler up to the halls of mead and celebration, even sometimes just drinking away our sorrows in Fulhalla. But this is about the worst time in the market cycle. And I just think it's worth mentioning that and putting it out there. I think a lot of us, our mindsets are all over the place with the market, but I hope you're close to me anyway, in that you your mindset is expectant of better things to come. You know that the market always comes back over time. Never bet against America, Warren Buffett has said. Anybody who looks at any long-term graph of stock market performance knows it goes lower left to upper right. You just need to give the market time. We have a family stock contest that I write a little missive about each month of the year. And I'm just going to share a little bit of what I shared, especially with some of the younger members of our family this week when I had the pleasure or mispleasure of updating the numbers in the family stock contest. Most of us have picked stocks that have gotten more than cut in half in less than six months, just since the start of this year. So I wrote, and I'll just share with you, this hasn't felt fun at all, but especially for those family members younger than the age of 30, the market year of 2022 is really educational and ultimately a good experience to see the volatility of the market, to know it doesn't only ever go up, and to experience directly or secondhand the psychology of what it takes to be a lifelong investor. I continued, you know full well these times will come. And in my experience, about once a decade. And that's what we're living through right now. This is definitely the worst market year since 2008 9 and before that, 2001 2. The Motley Fool has been in business for just about 30 years. And this is the third such time we are watching stocks get beaten bloody. And yet, and yet, just as happened in the face of 2002 and 2009, so too will the market come back in the years to come, particularly the winning companies doing valuable and important work in this world. It happens every time. It never feels good until you can look back and see where it came from. Well, speaking of where things came from, we've done 35 stock samplers and rule breaker investing history. And as painful as these numbers are to review, as disappointing as it is for me to see five stocks that passed the snap test, which was once such a winning sampler, retreat to Fulhalla permanently with a little bit of red on its shoulder as of this afternoon. Nevertheless, the 30 five stock samplers we picked, the 150 stocks picked on Rule Breaker Investing over years and years, average an individual stock gain of about 67%. That's against the markets, the S&P 500's 33%. So across 150 stocks, even at the worst time, I think, just about in the market cycle, still happy to know that 150 stocks have generated more than 5,000 points of alpha. And I think it's going up from here. We shall see. So a little bit of encouragement, not just for you, but I'm often on this podcast talking to me as well. But enough talking to me. I say we get this started with Review Palooza, five stocks sampler number one. It's five stocks pursued by a bear. I picked these stocks one year ago this month. And at the time mentioned, this would be my final five stock sampler. Well, how have they done in the year since? I'd like to welcome back to the show my friend Asit Sharma. Asit, great to have you back to Rule Breaker Investing. Great to be here. Thanks very much, David. How has the last year been for you? Forget about these stocks for a sec, Asit. I think one question that I want to ask each of my friends joining with me today is, I don't enjoy watching stocks as much when they're dropping. That's something I've talked a lot about. So I try to do some other things in life that I would have otherwise spent gawking at the market 
Can you describe either a new habit or intention or experience you've had as a consequence of being in a bear market? I think, David, being in a bear market has given me the courage to do something I've been trying to do for a long time, which is to pick up another language. Why? Because it's harder to look at the market than it is to go to my grammar exercises. <laughs> and I'm trying to pick up the Turkish language, which is famously difficult wow. because it's called an agglutinative language. So one word gets tacked on to another, to another, but it's a fun language and I've thrown all caution to the wind. I'm at the age where they say it's really difficult to pick up languages, but I'd, I'd prefer to, to do this than worry about stock prices. I love that you're doing that. I have never even tried. I don't know a single. How do you say hello in Turkish? Really simple. Merhaba. Merhaba. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Now I know my first term in Turkish. You know, when you talk about agglutinative, I always think of German nouns. Is that another example? You'll see these incredibly long nouns in German that are compound, single words of compound concepts. Is that also agglutinative? I think. Now, I have two sons that are pretty proficient in German, so I hope they're not going to listen to this <laughs> later and say, Dad, you should have said no. It's actually. X or yes, yeah. certainly, David. That's, that's yeah. They're the same principle. So to the Sharma X. family, I probably got that wrong, and if it was gotten wrong, it was on me. Well, uh, I'm delighted to know that you have that extra pursuit, enabled perhaps by some extra time. Well, let's take a look now at five stocks pursued by a bear. I what I like to do usually is talk first of all about how the stock market's done, Asit. So the stock market is down 11.8 percent. The S and P 500 since. June 16th, 2021. So we're not quite into a full year right now. And the market is down 12%. Now, it's felt like it's down a lot more than that to me and I think to a lot of rule breaker style investors. And I think the performance of this five stock sampler so far is uh, eloquent testimony. Let me first mention that the company's in alphabetical order. So Axon Enterprise, Peloton Interactive, The Trade Desk, Unity Software and Zillow Group. And those were five stocks I had in mind. I think they'd already declined somewhat. I think that was part of the theme of this particular five-stock sampler. So they were already down some. They were pursued by a bear. But man, if the bear didn't show up, it's a little bit ironic to me, Asit, that I think we officially entered bear market territory this week as the S&P 500 declined below a 20% loss uh, since the start of the year. So it is ironic that the very week you and I do this review of Palooza for this five-stock sampler, the one-year anniversary, we are now asset in a bear market. Well, I wish uh, this bear would go back into hibernation. My <laughs> my prediction is that uh, many of these, if not all these companies, are going to be just fine over a longer time period. Well, the one that's done the worst, which is the way I like to start it, the ticker symbol is P-T-O-N, and this is Peloton Interactive. The stock was at $105 a share this month last year. Right now, it's just down below $10 a share, Asset, down 90.9%, about the worst stock pick somebody can make to lose 91% of your value one year later. Of course, the market down 12 So. We start with a minus 79 in the alpha hole. What has happened to Peloton? The story with Peloton should be familiar with anyone who follows the connected fitness market. Uh, this is a, a company I think that almost got too much too soon or, or had too much of a good experience too soon. Sometimes you can get spoiled. And Peloton was at the beginning of a longer journey to, to figure out its business model. Were they a manufacturer? Were they, in essence, a subscription-based company that was going to enjoy really great margins from a software-type subscription business that was connected to those uh, bikes and treadmills? And what happened was, as the effects of the pandemic faded away, people started to go back uh, into the real world. The demand for the bikes dropped off. They got such a big pull forward during COVID that I, I think it masked for management the need to figure out at the end of the day how they were going to structure their profit and loss statement, how they were going to make their margin. Was it through profit in the manufacturer of bikes? Was it through the sub subscriptions? How does that whole puzzle come together? So now they have a new CEO, uh, and this is a veteran CEO, 
He's his name Barry McCarthy. I like the way that he is working on slashing the inventory where he can, trying to fix cash flow, doing all the kinds of things you would in a turnaround. Hmm. So I think now they get a chance to to rethink life and figure it out. And I wouldn't say that this is the company that's going to lead the basket into glory, but it's got a <laughs> decent chance to make a comeback. This market cap has gone from $30 billion to just north of $3 billion, so a much smaller company. Uh, in at least in market capitalization terms, I would say its brand hasn't declined nearly that much. It's it's public awareness. Clearly, uh, the company's losing money, and uh, this is not this is not this has been a horrifically bad transition from in COVID to somewhat anyway out of COVID at this point. And Peloton has been badly badly hurt. I would say probably badly managed. And the only real bad here is me. For putting this into our five stocks pursued by a bear. Let's go from the worst stock asset to the best performer. And I regret to say the best performer here is itself down 22%, which means even the trade desk, ticker symbol TTD, is down itself to the market by 10 percentage points. I never like to talk about being down 22% as a good thing, but Relative to the other four stocks in this sampler, something's going really right for the trade desk. Do you agree? I mean, I, I agree with this. I think what's going right for trade desk is that it notes exactly what its identity is. There's never been any confusion about the business model versus Peloton. This is a company that works in the programmatic advertising market. They make it easy for advertisers to place digital ads, and they've just become better and better at what they do. The, the example I wanted to touch on here is the coming change in the way companies track us around the internet. So Google Chrome is going to drop its cookies by late next year. And the Trade Desk is leading the charge to find a different way to track us, one that's a little fair in terms of privacy, but still helps advertisers to reach us, gives us the ability to comfortably opt in to some advertising. I think this is going to be great for their uh, business model. It's a company that is still growing in a strong double digits. Jeff Green is a really seasoned CEO, uh, wonderful leader. And I think we see a ton of innovation going on in this company as well. They've announced some really cool integrations that offer real-time data to big companies like Adobe. So it's a company that understands what it needs to do in the marketplace. They're passionate about it. I can understand why they're only down 22% odd versus some other tech companies, which are down a lot more. Well, since we're talking market caps, and of course, next week is our market cap game show, Trade Desk right now capped at about $23.5 billion, which ends up being six to seven times the size of Peloton Interactive, which I think is a lot better known than the Trade Desk. Asad, I'm assuming if you were forced to buy one of these stocks, uh, not that we're going to force you to do so, but I'm guessing you'd probably buy the Trade Desk right now. Actually, I might choose another one in the basket. Uh, so the accountant in me doesn't like the cash flows that are associated with Unity Software. They're still losing money. I think they could do a better job in generating cash flow. But I love the way this company invests in the future. They offer mm. uh, a creative platform for gamers to develop games. They offer another one that can be used by architects. It can be used by filmmakers. This is a company that is working on the tools for creativity uh, in the next decade. So there's a long path to greatness for Unity. It's not going to be an easy path for them. But I love the ambition of this company. And at this point in a bear market, it's sometimes good to kick the tires on companies that, that you like. Maybe they're not as profitable. So they've been pushed down even further. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, if you believe in the concept and management, I mean, this is an interesting company. I think investors should keep their eye on it. It's one of the worst performers, David, but it could be one of the most resilient as conditions improve. Stock is down from 200 in December to just right around 33 as we speak today. So again, just cataclysmic drops, 200 down to 33. The market cap, well, about half of the trade desks at $11.5 billion, but so of the five, Asset, you favor Unity the most. I like Unity a lot, too. Of course, that's why it's in the sampler. I don't like the performance of any of these. Unity down 65% for this sampler so far. Again, against the market's 12. That's a, a minus 53. But thank you for the positive words there. 
Would you like to add anything about another single letter ticker symbol company? Unity Software owns the letter U. That's its ticker symbol. Zillow Group is Z. It's also ZG by another share class. But any thoughts about, actually, let's close it out with the A and the Z, A to Z. So Axon Enterprise, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in this sampler, down 43%. Zillow Group down 72%. I'll give the final accounting in a minute, but I'll say give us just a little bit of thinking on Axon Enterprise and Zillow Group. I mean, both are trying to play important roles in the economy. Axon offers body cameras, they have a software as a service uh, platform that is aimed at companies that buy its products. They have a product called the Axon Fleet 3, which is AI-enabled license plate recognition. So, you know, it, it's a company you can see for a long time just playing a greater role in our economy. It does a lot of good out in the world. I mean, its, it's main purpose, as, as stated, is, is to try to help reduce uh, crime through its products. So yep. this is an important company for people who believe in uh, the potential of, of technology to, to make the world a safer place. Zillow I think is a little challenged just now because the real estate industry is at a, a crossroads. There's a lot of pent up demand for housing, and yet we have mortgage rates that are sort of flying through the roof. So this is one, the thesis isn't broken for Zillow, but it's maybe one of the more exposed to, to near term macro stuff in the economy. Again, as we go out over a longer time period, you were mentioning the power of brand earlier as we talked. Zillow's got such a great brand uh, in the real estate space. I think in residential housing, they're, they're going to be an important player. So I wouldn't count that out either, but I would lean Axon. I'd lean the beginning of the alphabet between these two choices versus mm -hmm. the end. And you like Unity Software the most. All five of these I liked one year ago. I like them a little bit less right now because <laughs> I just don't like things that lose this badly. And yet... I think often the strength of balance sheets helps us think through what's going to come back. And of course, the strength of opportunity. Um, is the company doing something important that's good for this world? That always counts for so much for me. And how could I not also reference brand? Because I think brand counts for a lot. Well, take it all in all, Asit, this is on me, not on you. I thank you. Though I'm not going to shoot the messenger. You're the messenger of some good thoughts about these companies. But Take it all in all, the stock market down 12% over the last year. These stocks average a loss of 59%. So that is 47 percentage points under the market averages. If there's any good news, and this is about all I can come up with right now, we're only through just about the first year of three. So this will be fascinating to watch how these companies do, how the economy rebounds, which ones of these rebound, and can we get anything, any green, back on this red scorecard for the 30th and final five-stock sampler? Asit, do you have your fingers crossed for us? You know, I don't even have my fingers crossed, David. I look forward to, to the performance of these companies, and I'm already impressed by the performance of this basket in advance. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Asit, for visiting. And let's revisit this together a year from now, shall we? It'll be interesting to see where we are. Asit Sharma, thank you so much for joining me this week on Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks so much for having me, David. All right. Well, thus much for now for Five Stocks Pursued by a Bear. It's time to go. Let's strap ourselves into the Wayback Machine. We need to go back through time, Rick Engdahl. And we have alighted upon June of 2020. Things were not pretty in the world at large. The economy was shutting down. There were a lot of Americans hurting for lots of different reasons. And so I was inspired that week to think about what would be five stocks for America. These are companies that are, of course, all American companies. But each of them I kind of tagged to one of the core values as I've thought about America. Things like liberty and enterprise and justice. And so we're not going to revisit each of those. But that was the uniting theme behind this five-stock sampler, Five Stocks for America. And to review this five-stock sampler with me, my pal, Nick Seipel. Nick, great to have you on Rule Breaker Investing. Great to be here with you, David. You know, first time, uh, what, I guess, visitor, whatever you want to call this, long-time <laughs> listener, so happy to be here with you. <laughs> Absolutely. And anybody who's a Motley Fool member has, I think, gotten to know Nick and Asit and Alicia, all three of my guests, really well, because Motley Fool Live, the equivalent of the TV show on our website that's there for our members, 
every weekday. Uh, Nick, you are regularly featured, and I've always enjoyed so much of your morning show and other commentary on Motley Fool Live. So thanks a lot for that. And this time we get to do a little bit of a dive into stocks. I know sometimes you've been talking, especially macro recently, the joke being you're not a macro thinker necessarily, or we're not a macro show, but you can't, Nick, you can't not talk about macro a little bit these days. No, that's the top of the headlines. You can't turn on CNBC without hearing about interest rates and inflation and all these, uh, I guess, second year uh, mac macroeconomics uh, business. <laughs> I'm more of a microeconomics thinker, but uh, you know the headlines these days are, are those macroeconomic topics for better or worse. I'm looking forward to the days when we get past some of that and we talk about what real businesses are doing in the real world, but uh, that's just me. Well, let's do that together for about 10 or 15 minutes or so. Looking at these five companies now, first, let me mention how the stock market is done. The bogey, of course, that I'm always looking to beat. And I'm sorry to say, spoiler alert, ahead of time, none of the five companies in this sampler is beating the market averages, which look kind of tough to beat over two years. The market, is this true? The market's up 16.3% from where it was two years ago. Again, so many stocks so far down, including some of these. But it is nice to know, Nick, that the market, the S&P 500, those in the index fund anyway, have enjoyed a 16% return in these two years. Yeah, the market has continued to, to march up, although some of these uh, these companies uh, haven't haven't performed quite as well. <laughs> although I will say the market hasn't been marching quite as well uh, the past you know six months of the year uh, 2022 as they had been you know the past couple years before that. But uh, in any event, these companies are not keeping up with uh, with where they've been the past couple years. That's right. In five stocks for America, I used to open up this sampler spreadsheet with joy and see green. Now what we see is red. But let's talk about the companies, uh, each of which is a really interesting company that I still certainly believe in going forward. Let's start with, as tradition would have it, with the worst performer. Again, the market up 16%, which makes the drop for Boston Beer Company, ticker symbol SAM, from 524 two years ago to just below 300 right now, a drop of 44 percentage points. That is well down to the market's gain of 16. So we're going to call that minus 61 in the loss column for Alpha for Sam so far. Nick, are you a beer drinker? I like to have a, a beer every now and again. I, I'm much more of a, of a beer drinker than a liquor drinker. Um, you know, I like a craft beer. Miller Lite's my kind of main line uh, a beer of choice. Yeah, what about hard seltzer? You know, haven't gotten into into the hard seltzer game uh, as much. We might talk about this a little bit later. I'm a little bit more into these uh, these ready to drink cocktails that have, have emerged in the past couple of years. High Noon is one that I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of. But uh, but but yeah, I've had a few Trulies in my day. Very nice. Well, let's transition then into looking at this company. And Nick, just taking a big picture view here, stocks almost just about been cut in half over these last two years. What's happening to the Boston Beer Company? Sure. So the, the Boston Beer Company, when folks hear about this company, probably think of Sam Adams, their, their eponymous beer, lots of commercials. They were kind of the first mover um, in this craft beer movement. Yeah. But today, much less of a beer company, more of a, a malted beverage company. And the big drivers um, are brands like Truly Hard Seltzer, Angry Orchard, Hard Cider, um, Twisted Tea products. Th those products um, have really been driving the business in recent years, or actually a majority of the business today. And a slowdown in that part of the business is really what's uh, driving this underperformance mm. um, of Sam in the past year. In particular, uh, Hard Seltzer, where they're they're one of the leaders in the market with their Truly product. We're really seeing incredible growth in Hard Seltzer over the past couple of years. In 2020, Hard Seltzer grew 158% year over year in deliveries. Big slowdown in 2021, however, with only 13% growth in the category. And that left the Boston Beer Company in a situation where they had rushed to increase supply to keep up with the demand they saw coming down the pike. And we even saw CEO uh, Jim Cook say that the company had to toss, quote, millions um, of, of cases of Truly back in, in oh October. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so part of the uh, part of that is you know we've we've seen this this huge growth in, in hard seltzer perhaps you see a fad slowing down these things can't grow to the moon we're not going to be exclusively drinking hard seltzer to the detriment uh, of other categories but another uh, potential competitive threat that I think we're, we're seeing rise up are these ready to drink cocktails so we just saw this week actually Coke make a deal with Jack Daniels where you're going to be able to buy Jack and Coke in the store and that's indicative of this 
big uh, big growth we've seen in ready to drink products. So I, I gave you those numbers in growth of hard seltzer um, in 2021, only 13% growth in 2021 after 100% plus growth in 2020. But if you look wow. in those ready to drink cocktails in 2021, grew over uh, grew 118% year over year. So to a certain extent, you know the loss in these hard seltzer markets, um, the winners. Uh, have been these ready-to-drink cocktails, and that's a potential threat. We actually saw Jim Coke write a letter to uh, to a, a large brewers organization uh, in 2021, uh, where he said, uh, speaking about uh, concerns about these ready-to-drink cocktails. Historically, um, liquor-based drinks have have been taxed at a higher rate um, than malt-based drinks like beer and uh, and ciders and things like that. And he wrote in his letter, said, "quote If they succeed in changing state regulations, so these are the purveyors of ready-to-drink cocktails, the beer industry, brewers, and wholesalers alike would face virtually permanent declines in volume, revenue, and profits, while liquor volume and profits would soar." So I think a couple of things going on: increased competition from these ready-to-drink cocktails, and then also, again, you can't grow at 100% growth rate uh, to infinity with these uh, with these these hard seltzers. So uh, th- th- those are the things that are that are driving down um, um, Boston beer stock. It is uh, ironic to think that the company kind of made a smart, forward-thinking bet with hard seltzer, with kind of the rest of the industry, and uh, and yet in the face of huge growth, we see the stock price with significant decline. Stock down, by the way, 700 last summer. So now when you're quoting Sam these days, seeing it just below 300, well, again, it feels like so many other stocks, especially Rule Breaker, style stocks on the market today. Well, let's go, Nick, from the worst performer in this this sampler to the best performer. And, you know, all four of the other companies, Nick, all of them are down. Again, the market up 17%. All of them are down somewhere between 8 and 15%. So they're all about 25 percentage points to 30 percentage points behind the market averages. The one that's technically ahead of the rest is Take-Two Interactive, down 8.4% from a year ago. Now, Nick, you and I know, and some longtime discerning listeners may remember, I never did pick Take-Two Interactive as part of this five-stock sampler. I picked Zynga, and Zynga, the mobile software games company, ended up getting bought out by Take-Two Interactive not too long ago, and shareholders were paid out some cash, but also Take-Two Interactive stock. So I've simply converted over what your dollar-for-dollar investment would have been in Zynga two years ago to what it looks like in Take-Two Interactive today. So a little bit of technicality there. Yep, sometimes these stocks get bought out in bad times, sometimes, and in good. So Take-Two Interactive, Nick, any thoughts around this best performer in the sampler? Sure. So I think Zynga was an interesting company, uh, the acquisition by Take-Two. In, in 2021, they put up their best annual revenue and bookings ever and, and were and put up their best uh, first quarter ever as well here in, uh, mm. here in 2022. However, uh, when Take-Two announced their, uh, their deal to acquire Zynga stock for $3.50 in cash and about 0.0406 shares of Take-Two Thank stock you, per, per Zynga um, share, um, the stock was down over over thirty percent, and there, there's some some drivers of that. So number one, as the pandemic was coming to an end, a little bit of a slowdown in mobile games, which is the category where, where Zynga is a leader. However, another factor that was driving Zynga's stock down is if if you think about how mobile games are monetized. Mobile games have been monetized historically through advertising. If you think about the way folks interact with a mobile game, spending a few minutes on the platform, you aren't spending sixty dollars up front in the way you do for traditional uh, uh, game sales. And so in that business uh, dependence on advertising means Zynga was impacted by Apple's iOS changes in 2021 and the ability to be able to target ads in the same way that you could prior to those those ad changes. And that was a contributor um, to the sell-off um, in Zynga stock. However, um, I think Zynga combined with Take-Two is in an interesting spot. Um, Zynga being this one of the largest providers of mobile games in the world, they have a lot of first party data on, on the types of users uh, that are engaging on their platforms. Zynga yeah. also acquired a company called Chartboost uh, in, uh, I believe it was August of 2021, that was a leading mobile ad uh, platform to be able to essentially take the, all this first party data we have, marry it together with an advertising platform and improve our advertising business performance. Um, they had their highest ever advertising revenue in, in Q1 um, of 2022. So it suggests that some of that business um, is taking hold. Combined with Take-Two, I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well. Take-Two historically has been a laggard um, in, in the in the mobile game market relative to some of these other uh, tier one 
game developers, although Take-Two had been making some significant investments um, in mobile games. Combined together with Zynga, they'll have an even bigger um, platform of first-party um, mobile games data that they can plug into that chart boost system and really move significantly um, into the advertising side of things. The other thing that, that is interesting as well is Zynga was getting ready to launch um, their Star Wars Hunters franchise, which is going to be Zynga's first cross-platform hmm. uh, game offering. That's, again, another area that Take-Two has lagged behind some other, uh, some other players in the market. If you think long-term where gaming is going, cross-platform ad-supported um, games appear to be where business models are, are increasingly moving, moving in the future. So you can tell a story about how the combination between Zynga and Take-Two is value creative. Uh, the management thinks that too. If you looked at the, the Take-Two earnings call back in May, uh, the CEO of Take-Two, Strauss Zelnick, said he thought, thought the stock was deep value at $158 a share when they were buying back stock in Q2 um, of last year. Well, today we're in the 120s a share. And again, this is with, with Zynga combined, this again, this additive um, acquisition. So I think the stock is, is very attractive here. I own it. And um, I think it's an interesting, uh, interesting one for listeners to look at too. Well, thank you, Nick. And, you know, taking the longer view, which sometimes we forget to do in the face of one or two or three year sampler reviews, Take-Two Interactive has been a good performer. It's been an outstanding performer, really, for Motley Fool Rule Breakers over the years. But just looking at the last five years, you know, a market beater, not spectacular, up 75%, and the market's up 50%. So it has beaten the market, but um, it's a lot of up and down for Take-Two Interactive. All right. Well, I mean, if the worst performer, Boston Beer, is down about 44%, and the best performer, Take-Two Interactive, down about 8%, that means this sampler is presently losing to the market again. Good news, it's got another year for a comeback. These stocks had been doing well until about six to nine months ago. But, Nick, let's take quick looks at the other three. Uh, down 8.7%, just behind Take-Two Interactive, down less than 10%, which I almost think is important to say these days, is Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks continues to be America's coffee shop in the same way you think about McDonald's as America's hamburger stand. Uh, and Starbucks continue to put up some pretty reasonable numbers. Most recent quarter, comp sales growth up 12%, even at significant scale, continuing to grow um, to grow its sales. Reopening, However, reopening. Yeah, reopening, exactly. I think there's some, you know, we talked earlier about how uh, about how uh, Boston Beer isn't necessarily a beer company with all this focus on Truly and Hard Seltzer. And I think if you look at Starbucks, I'd argue it's not necessarily a coffee company either. Uh, about 80% of their sales are now from cold beverages. So I could say, you know, I think you could say it's a milkshake company wow. uh, more so than a coffee company. But uh, why, why is Starbucks stock struggling? Well, uh, uh, part of it is uh, some lockdowns in China, a significant portion of the business coming out of China. And most recent quarter comp sales in China down 23%. Um, also, uh, some headwinds from, from labor costs. There's been uni unionization efforts across um, the company, which is, of course, hit, hitting the business. There's a quote from um, hmm. from now returning CEO, founder Howard Schultz, back at the He's business back. once again, uh, saying that, you know, we've, we've done our best to, to build up our, our benefits over the past several years, but still not good enough for the Gen Z employee. So there, there's been some headwinds on, on labor costs, those sorts of things. I, I think Starbucks again, still America's coffee shop, but some of these macro headwinds, whether it's you know uh, labor unrest or or, or issues uh, actually doing business in China, that's slowing down uh, the company. Mm. Well, the two others are Etsy and Axon Enterprise, and let's talk a minute or two about both of them. Of course, Axon did show up in the earlier sampler, the five stocks pursued by Bear, but let's shift to Etsy briefly. What's happening in Etsyville, Nick Seipel? Sure. Uh, so Etsy. Uh, it continues to be the dominant platform for these online handmade gifts, uh, things of that sort. However, again, like like Starbucks coming out of the pandemic, some headwinds as folks move away uh, from, from e-commerce sales. In addition, Etsy has seen some pushback uh, from its sellers in the face of an increase in its transactions fee uh, by 30%. They increased it from 5% to 6.5%. Um, Good for Etsy in the sense that they're able to capture more, more capital moving forward, but, but a little bit of a pushback um, from consumers. But the big thing pulling the stock down, I think, is just this uh, lack of enthusiasm among investors from these e-commerce stories that we saw the past couple hmm. of years ago. As some of the tailwinds that had been behind them are, are, are uh, coming to an end. Well, Etsy, two years ago this month, right about $80 a share. It's at 72 now. That's down 10%. Again, the market up 17 uh, the last one is Axon Enterprise. I did cover it briefly. I think listeners will be familiar with this one. This one I picked in a number of samplers, and a lot of Motley Fool members, I think, probably own or at least are aware of Axon Enterprise. 
Uh, taking the slightly longer view, the two-year view, the stock is down 16%. Again, the market up 17%. So it's also like it's brethren and sistren here, down about 30 percentage points to the market these past two years. But Nick, again, the good news, there's another year left for five stocks for America. What would you like to see going forward from Axon? Well, hopefully more of the same of what the company has has delivered in the past. If you look at the the past five years, they've grown revenue to 26% compound annual growth rate. Uh, if you drill into that a little bit more, hardware hardware sales, so things like body cams um, and, and the Taser devices up up 3x in that period of time. Cloud, which is the evidence.com where you store that all that data you collect from, from body cameras, up 47% on a compound annual growth rate over the past five years. If you look in the first quarter of 2022, overall revenue up 32%. Uh, the cloud revenue up 47%. So growing faster or in line with that historical hmm. five-year growth rate. I think the big thing that, that's kind of brought down Axon stock is the valuation. So it, it peaked back, uh, you know, at, at, towards the end of 2021 at somewhere around a 15 times sales uh, valuation number. And now we're down in the, the six times or seven times sales range thereabouts. The, the performance of the business is very strong. There's not a lot um, I'd be upset about as far as continuing earnings growth. However, the valuation has has compressed. One thing I, I will point out, however, there's been some some headlines in recent weeks following that the tragic school shooting. Uh, the past the, the couple of weeks, Axon came out with a with a uh, saying that we're going to deploy um, we're going to deploy uh, drones that will have taser enabled devices on them. Right. And that statement was made without consulting the, the AI ethics board that uh, Axon had put in place earlier this year, and has led to a number of ethicists on that board resigning. So to, on one hand, uh, very happy to see Exxon trying to continue to push technology forward and you know keep keep society safe. That's a core part of their mission. Their mission is to obsolete the bullet by the end of the decade. Um, so certainly this would be part of that. But um, in an industry that, uh, again, you're deploying force on, on human beings, this is something that is, is very uh, concerning to the average uh, citizen. You would, you would like to see um, the way the company goes about deploying that, that technology be a little bit more um, Step by step, rather than kind of making willy nilly statements, and I, and I think maybe this what we've seen these past couple of weeks um, can be corrected going forward, or, or they can learn from from this uh, this incident um, this month to to uh, do better moving forward. Well, we certainly have to comment on that because it does seem important and recent, but also taking the longer view, I do really appreciate what this company does. I much prefer a non lethal world when we talk about weaponry, and that's really what Axon's about. Stock up from 25 to 85 these last five years, despite the drop, as Nick alluded to, from 200 last year to just down below 100 right now, but still a, a market whomper and a company I think we like a lot going forward. Market cap, by the way, below $7 billion, so $6.5 billion or so today for Axon Enterprise. Well, Nick, thank you very much for an info-rich look at this five-stock sampler, Five Stocks for America I really wish my numbers were as good as your analysis, but the facts are these. Stock market up about 17 percentage points over the last two years. These stocks in aggregate down 17 percentage points these last two years. So what used to be a winning sampler is now 34 percentage points in the hole. As I think I've hastened to add a number of times, there's still more time left for five stocks for America. So We'll check in a year from now, summer, and send this one off to Fulhalla, I hope, with some better numbers. But Nick Seipel, thank you so much for excellent analysis and your good foolishness, sir. Great to be here with you, David. If you had told me five years ago I was going to be on this podcast with you, I would have been very excited. So, uh, you know, you made my <laughs> dream come true. <laughs> well, that's so kind. Thank you, Nick. You know, before I let you go, I, I want to make sure I ask you the same question I asked Asset that I also asked myself, which is, if you're like me, when the market declines, you don't spend quite as much time looking at the numbers. It's just not as fun. And so maybe you take some of that time you were spending, I would even say somewhat voyeuristically, and you sublimate it. You convert it into something more positive. Asset, learning a new language. Nick, what have you been doing the last year or so that's different from before? Well, sure. I mean, I'm coming up on my one-year uh, wedding anniversary. I got married last July seventeenth, twenty twenty-one. So I've been busy traveling the world, going on honeymoons, and and doing all those uh, those sorts of things. And uh, and yeah, it's been a, been a happy year of marriage so far, and looking forward to many more.
Well, that's a that's probably the best answer I can imagine to that question. So congratulations again, Nick Seipel, and congratulations ahead of time on your first year anniversary. I think it's July. So come back and join me sometime. Thanks, Nick. Anytime, anytime. Well, two out of three ain't bad, but you know what is bad? Three out of three. All three of these are market losers. I guess it gets a little bit better, though. And I'm delighted to be joined by Alicia Alfieri to talk through five stocks that passed the SNAP test, Alicia, from June 2019. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you. So let's put on our seatbelts because we're about to get in the Wayback Machine together, the Wayback Music, and let's go back to June 5th of 2019. All right. And on that fair day, I hope it was a fair day, it was June I picked five stocks that passed the SNAP test. Now, we didn't talk about this offline, and I never expect my analysts to have listened to the original podcast, Alicia, but do you know what I mean when I say the SNAP test? I do, and I did listen. So I have my own explanation. I am a Marvel fan and a bit of a nerd. So my explanation is this. If Thanos snapped his fingers and these companies disappeared, you and the rest of us would notice, and you would feel it and care. Beautifully recounted. And, you know, I first wrote about the SNAP test in the Rule Breakers, Rule Makers book of 1998. I couldn't have known at the time probably about in Infinity Wars or really what would have become of Marvel, which at the time was really just a comic book company. It wouldn't make the shift to the big silver screen until the early 2000s. Anyway, Alicia, thank you for rebranding in some sense the SNAP test with the Thanos test. And yeah, <laughs> these five companies. And I'm going to read them out now alphabetically. And oh my golly, Axon Enterprise. I picked it three Junes in a row. Axon Enterprise, Fair Isaac, Live Nation, Nintendo, and Twitter. And what I was contending three years ago this month, as you have ably recounted, is that I think that if any of these companies disappeared, a lot of us would notice and the world would care. And the reason that the Thanos test or Snap test I think leads to better investing for those who follow it is that it has you focused on companies of real consequence. You're going to be avoiding a lot of penny stocks or fly-by-nighters or hope-in-a-dream kinds of stocks because you're really focused on companies doing big, important things like these five that we'll talk about now. So let's first share how the market has done, Alicia. And the market over the last three years is up 45% from where it was, the S&P 500, three years ago. And isn't that interesting? It doesn't feel that way at all right now. Emotionally, psychologically, Alicia, I see you nodding your head from your new venue in Colorado, which we'll be talking <laughs> about in a little bit. But isn't it interesting to think that the market has actually really outperformed the norm over the last three years? Because of course, you and I know the market typically rises nine to 10%. So over three years, that would be 30-ish percent. Alicia, stock market up 45.1% from three years ago. Yes, and I think the important part, the important thing to remember here is that this is a really good example of zooming out and increasing your timeline, right? I agree. And that's something that is sometimes hard to do, especially in the face of such poor performance for the market. But if there's one thing I hope this podcast helps our listeners do from one week to the next, it's zoom out a little bit. So thank you for that reminder. And speaking of zooming out, before we dive into these stocks together. Alicia, I've been asking each of my guests this week if they are converting some of their pastime they might have spent gawking at their stocks going up into something more positive. Could you describe a change in your life circumstances or habits over the last year or so? Sure. Well, as we mentioned, I recently moved to Colorado. Wow. Uh, so what I've been doing instead of checking my portfolio every day is I've been taking walks and exploring the area and the sky in Colorado is amazing. And so Big that's really helped. state. Yes. And it really helps me to put things in perspective, I think. I also love the sky. I, I, you know, talking about really geeky stuff like video games, which we talked about earlier, or Marvel these days, whenever you have like elemental choices that you make with your role playing character, I always select air, not fire or water or earth. I'm an air person. I love big skies, clouds, birds, planes. The sky in Colorado is just so much bigger than I think it is here in the Washington, D.C. area. It certainly feels that way. And it's 
beautiful. I can't tell you how many times I've just marveled at the sky. Well, I'm marveling that you're even on the podcast this week, Alicia, because you mentioned to me in a humble, I would almost say sheepish manner that before this podcast throughout the day this morning, you were being moved in or movers were in your house. And as I recall, it's one of the five most stressful things in life for a lot of people. So thank you again for making some time with us on Rule Breaker Investing this week. Of course, I am coming to you among boxes. So it's better than being in an empty house. I will say that. (laughs) And you and I can agree on that. Okay, good. Well, let's agree on some other things. One thing we can agree on is that the worst performer of these five companies, and this is kind of ironic, perhaps, in the face of so many headlines, although maybe not ironic, is Twitter. Twitter, of course, I'm not going to say an infatuation of Elon Musk, because I hope that's still mostly Tesla, but certainly Elon making lots of headlines saying he's going to buy Twitter out. Twitter been a volatile stock. Uh, three years ago, the stock was at $36 a share, and it closed out June 3rd, which is when this sampler ended. This three-year game ended on June 3rd earlier this month at about 40 So Twitter was up 10.5%, but the bad news, Alicia, the market's up 45%, so severely underperforming. Yes. And what I would say here first is that Twitter definitely passes the snap test because if it if it were gone, a lot of us would miss it because of news interacting with people. And certainly Elon Musk would no doubt miss them if it were lost in a snap, though there are question marks around the acquisition. And that certainly isn't helping the stock. So when we look at what happened, so first, there's been drama right? With Elon Musk potentially buying the company. Um, But apparently there's been some drama with the number of bots on Twitter, the company's willingness to provide raw data to him. And it's essentially like a long running TV series. We're left asking the question of will they or won't they? But unlike TV viewers, investors don't like the uncertainty. Mm. And there's also been a fair amount of cost to fuel Twitter's growth. Uh, So last summer, Twitter was looking like a really interesting opportunity. They had a renewed focus to grow the platform's relevance. They had positive momentum with advertising revenues growing even faster than their user base, suggesting that they were doing a good job monetizing their product. And to be fair, from 2019 to 2020, 21, revenues increased 47%. Monetizable daily active users, which are people, organizations, and other accounts log into Twitter. Only investment analysts say monetizable daily, what did you say again? Monetizable daily active users. It's a mouthful. (laughs) But those numbers, those users increased almost 43%. But that growth, as I said, came at a cost. And Twitter's R&D expenses or research and development expenses increased 83% in that Mm. same time period. And a lot of those product launches that looked really promising, like the ability to tip other users and Twitter's subscription service that let you undo a tweet, they haven't quite paid off yet. Um, Add to this the fact that Jack Dorsey left uh, to focus solely on Block, also known as Square, uh, which was a bit of a mixed bag, right? Hmm. It meant losing a co-founder, but it also meant that Twitter would gain a new CEO, longtime Twitter employee, Parag Argawal. um, And that would mean that they would have a leader that was focused solely on Twitter. But it often takes time for a new leader to really get their footing, to pivot and implement their own strategies on a business. It's like trying to turn a massive ship in the ocean. And that means that changes in direction or strategy just can't happen immediately. But then that turning ship got hit with the force of nature that is Elon Musk. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. If the acquisition happens, what new leaders will take the helm, and what their strategies will be for the future. Yeah, and you know, it's funny looking at Twitter stock. It was right around 37 before the Elon announcement and all of the hurrahs. And right now, as we speak, it's back down to right around 37. So there's been a a temporary blip, and uh, we, we're left on the horns of a dilemma, not quite knowing uh, where the stock is going to go from here. Since this five-stock sampler closed out a couple of weeks ago, the numbers are fixed where we are, but the story continues. And you know, Twitter touched over 70. Uh, it, was, it, it was flirting with 80 at points last year. So to see it again, 
down below 40, more than cut in half from its 2021 highs. Um, I continue to find the company interesting and favorite. I do think it still passes the snap test to your point. Thank you for that, Alicia. Well, from the worst performer, we go to the best performer and Live Nation out of this group of five stocks. Remarkable, I think, because for two of the three years of the sampler, many concert venues were closed for business altogether. So Live Nation which of course sells tickets and owns some of the venues, partners with a lot of the acts. A lot of rock music fans like their Live Nation. Actually, a lot of people don't like Live Nation that much in my experience because they feel like the the ticket that they buy through the platform, which usually has some tack on additional service fee, seems high. But at least from a business standpoint, Live Nation, well, finished strong. The stock up 54% over these three years. Again, the market up 45 So, Alicia, two of these five companies, Live Nation and Axon Enterprise, which we probably don't need to talk too much about. We'll speak about it for a minute in a sec. But Live Nation, the number one performer. How did this company, ticker symbol LYV, somehow go up more than 50% through a pandemic? Yeah. And you know what? When we were talking earlier, I told you I was really glad that they were the winner in the sampler just because their journey over the last three years has been incredible and difficult, right? The biggest challenge that Live Nation faced over this period was COVID, of course, and the impact it had on our ability to see friends and family, let alone go to a crowded concert venue. It was almost like someone snapped their fingers and most concert disappeared. Mm. And I think we all noticed. Um, In 2020, Live Nation saw revenues fall 84% and full year revenues were under 2 billion, which is pretty close to just one quarter's worth of revenues in a normal year. Um, Live Nation restarted their concert business about halfway through 2021, and there was a lot of pent up demand. As a result, the fourth quarter in 2021 saw the largest number of tickets sold in a single quarter, the highest gross ticket value, excluding refunds, and their resale business also hit record highs. And here's a great statistic. In the last five months of the year, Live Nation had more than 15 million fans attend their outdoor events in the US and in the UK, which was higher than that same period in 2019. And as the world continues to reopen, people are still looking to spend on experiences as opposed to things like we did at the height of the pandemic. So far this year, Live Nation is looking pretty promising. So they delivered their best first quarter ever, despite some markets taking longer to reopen. Mm. And they're pretty positive about the road ahead. So over 70 million tickets now sold for shows in 2022, which is up 36% from 2019. And early reads on consumer spending, obviously a concern since a lot of people are concerned about inflation. So early reads on consumer spending shows that fans are spending a fair bit when they go to shows too, with average revenue per fan up 30 compared to 2019. And since we started talking about COVID, COVID is having less of an impact on their concert schedules. Um, And by March in the US, they canceled only 1% of their planned concerts. So potentially good news for the rest of the year. Just a, a really a remarkable story, and I, I, I'm guilty as charged when I asked myself before the show, who's the CEO of Live Nation? I couldn't answer my own question. I'm not going to put you on the spot, because I think most of us, Alicia, don't know who the CEO of Live Nation has been, but he's been there since Clear Channel spun off Live Nation into its own company in 2005. So Michael Rapino, a Canadian-American business executive, has been for 17 years and counting the CEO of Live Nation. You can only imagine what he was saying to his employees through this period of time. Somebody should make the Michael Rapino story so we can see at least the Hollywood version of the inspirational speech he must have been giving to the employees, and especially as things open back up, a Rocky-like ending, and at least for this five-stock sampler, which has now ended, and we're about to send to Fulhalla, this five-stock sampler was carried by the best performer that you just mentioned, Live Nation, ticker symbol LYV. Now, it's worth pointing out that Axon Enterprise, which also made it into this five-stock sampler, Axon beat the market. So talk about taking the long view. Axon up 52% 
over these three years, the market up 45%. So the longer you've held Axon, the happier you are with it. I trust that's going to be true going forward. But Alicia, is there anything you would like to say that Asit and or Nick didn't already say about Axon Enterprise? Well, I would only add that the company isn't just resting on their laurels and letting growth find them. They're also working to expand their ecosystem of solutions in order to continue their growth. Um, So they have an expanded virtual reality simulator, uh, which is a training solution. They also have Attorney Premier, which was launched just last year and aims to help prosecutors and defense attorneys manage digital evidence. So they're continuing, yeah, continuing to expand. All right. Well, it's rare that we talk about the same stock in three samplers all in the same review of Palooza, but I guess without even realizing it, I had Axon in the brain around this month every year for the past several years. Looking over the other two, in conclusion, one of them, Fair Isaac, a company largely unknown by, I think, many people, although if they knew the ticker symbol FICO and then they started thinking, what does FICO stand for? They'd realize this is the company behind FICO credit scoring Fair Isaac up from 300 to 420 over these three years. Unfortunately, that 39% gain, a handful of points behind the market. But let's look at a much better known company, which was among the worst performers here, Nintendo. Alicia, Nintendo up 18%, not bad over the last three years, except again, the market up 45 percentage points. Would you like to add anything about one of the more consumer-friendly global brands I can think of, Nintendo? Absolutely. When I think of Nintendo, I think of content and I think of intellectual property. They've been called the Disney of the East with big franchises like Super Mario and Pokemon. And like a lot of video game companies, they did well in the beginning of the pandemic with revenues increasing about 34% year over year for the fiscal year ending in March 2021. But that meant tougher year over year comparisons for the most recent year, and revenues actually fell 3.6% year over year. But it also didn't help that they didn't release any blockbuster games. Um, Plus, we can't forget that Nintendo also makes consoles and the Switch, which lets you You go- Yes, which lets you go from at-home gaming to handheld games on the go, and it's been around since 2017. But the big question is, where is their next console, and when is it coming out? After all, new hardware generally means people going out and buying new games, and we certainly don't want a do-over from the the Wii U console. Um, But I would say, It's not all doom and gloom. Nintendo seems to be embracing the idea of being Disney-like and is building Super Nintendo World theme parks. So that'll be something to keep your eye on going forward. And I did look that up and look into that a little bit. So Super Nintendo World, which is a Universal Studios Hollywood theme park coming in 2023. The first of its kind in the United States, not in the world. But uh, yeah, Super Nintendo World about to become a thing in the year ahead. This is one of those companies that I think you can buy and hold for a long period of time and probably beat the market. It is an amazing company and with lots of beloved characters and brands, Disney-like in its own way, as we've said many times before. Alas, that wasn't enough to cause the stock to beat the market, uh, even with the Nintendo Switch here over the last three years. So again, Nintendo up 18% a market loser. Well, since the clear light motif it, it just kept recurring throughout this week's podcast, Alicia, is losing. I'm sorry to say that these five stocks in aggregate from June 5th of 2019 through June 3rd of t- 2022 rose 34.7%. The market up 45.1%. So this five-stock sampler, which was, for the record, the 20th in Rule Breaker Investing history, goes up to full halla with a negative number. percentage points behind the market. But Alicia, it is somewhat refreshing to know you actually made money. Like your stocks went up 35% over these three years with this snap test passing sampler. Agreed. And that just drives home the point to have your timeline longer than three years. And I'm glad you're reminding us of the importance of the timeline. So while Fulhalla is forever and five stocks that passed the snap test have gone and left us The sampler's over, but investing is not. Each of us has an opportunity to continue to hold these stocks. 
Two interesting notes as we close here. First of all, with this sampler closing on June 3rd, wow, the S&P 500 dropping about 10 more percentage points in the last 10 days, which is truly remarkable and unfortunate. Uh, but this group of stocks has actually improved their alpha versus the market by one percentage point. Not a big deal, but the point is staying in good companies usually would carry you past the averages if you just stay in the game. So again, Alicia, thank you for staying in the game with me and rejoining me for another review of Palooza and a lovely look at five really compelling companies that whether Thanos is real or not, you can't make them disappear. And that's part of the reason I like these kinds of investments. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And full on now I can say, Alicia, in Colorado, which by the way, you know this, our offices in Colorado, we've always called Fularado. So you've put some fool in Fularado. I'm so glad to. All right. Well, from five stock samplers this week, we're headed to the market cap game show next week. So I hope you've got your market cap hat on and you're ready to play the game. You can win this game. This is a game you can win in good markets and bad. And I'm really looking forward to being joined by our two most recent champions, Brian Stoffel and Yasser El Shami, and you next week on this show, The Market Cap Game Show. In the meantime, just keep swimming. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.